Empire podcast this week. It's episode 199. So somebody call 999 as we have a podcast emergency. Our guests, Triple Nines, Anthony Mackie and Aaron Paul, are just too damn good. Uh, plus, we have the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast. I would like to remind you that calling 999 without a genuine emergency is a very serious offence and could lead to prosecution, so don't do that. Hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Empire podcast. Uh, I'm joined in this week's podcast, as ever, by two colleagues of such lethal cunning. First up, making his first appearance for a while, is our art house guru, a man who, when he runs out of Wim Fender's films to watch, calls 999. <laughs> or Nine, 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 because that's German for it. It's Phil Dissemlian. Hello. How are you? Good. Excellent. Where have you been? I've been... I've been around, Chris. I don't know what to say. I've been around. Biding my time. Have you been in an art house odyssey? I have. Oh, you you want do. specifics? <laughs> yeah. No. Hauling a small <laughs> boat over Primrose Hill. That's what I've been doing. Um, no, I've been around. I've been look. I've been doing interviews on this thing. Have you I, haven't I, I've yeah. appeared. I've popped You're up. Present, you have, yeah. It's not like I've disappeared completely. This is, this anyway, is I'm true. back. This is true. You're um, back. You're hello. back. 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 Uh, and last but certainly not first is a man making his second uh, appearance, technically third if you count the Deadpool spoiler special. Third appearance in the podcast. He's a our new deputy editor. He's a tough, gritty, no nonsense, street food eating northerner type who wouldn't dream of calling nine 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 even if both his arms were hanging by his sides uh, or on the floor in pools of blood which would make more sense uh, it's Johnny Pyle how are you? I'm very well how are you? I'm good I'm good I can't complain I'm just busy um, based on your introduction for Phil I was busy uh, googling what the actual emergency service number was in Germany what, what is, is it? it? It's, uh, it's 112 for fire and 110 for police which I think is very confusing in emergency that you have different numbers yeah, usually, you know, not to stereotype everyone, but the, the Germans are quite efficient, aren't they? I mean, well, you would that, think so. You know, I've gone full Jeremy Clarkson. I've gone full Clarkson. Oh, God. And um, don't, don't fire and police come at the same time? What if you want an ambulance? No, I don't think... No. <laughs> you, have to, you have to choose. No, if, no, If no, you've I, been mugged, surely, you know, an no, fire engine turned if, up. Okay, well, if you're calling for a fireman, I think a policeman is obliged to turn up as well. Is for, that right? Know, crowd control, I, I think. Is that right? You're probably so right. If you have a cat caught in a tree and you call the fire brigade, a policeman turns up as well to arrest the cat? I mean, I'm, I'm just, just on hearsay in movies. <laughs> I'm just basing this on what I've seen in the movies. All right, fair enough. What happens if you sign a, uh, shine a bad signal in the sky? Uh, uh, that's fictional. What's the number for Ghostbusters? <laughs> uh, they actually flash it up on the screen at one point. In Ghostbusters, so I, I, I don't know. It probably oh, it, starts 555. 0800-555-GHOSTS. Gotcha. There you go, that's probably what it is. Someone will now write in and tell us exactly what it is. Uh, Johnny, I, you know, this is only your second podcast proper, so, you know, my so introduction for you... Stop talking so much. <laughs> so, no, it's, you know, know your place. E- ease your way in. So, so, you know, your your pod personality has not yet been defined, which is why, <laughs> which is why I didn't introduce you. You know, Phil, Phil from the off... <laughs> he nailed his art house colours to the art house mast, so you know you can shape you can shape your personality now. Well, the based on the intro, I'm the street podcast. food guy. You're, you're, well, that's based on something you said last week. You are the street food guy who just literally, with your big mighty paws, rips food off people's plates, whether or not they they want you to. You know, you, you yeah. just stick your hand into steaming cauldrons of food. You're like John Favreau and Chef, right? Um, I mean, almost entirely <laughs> different exactly to him. the same. I mean, should I just give it one street food re- uh, recommendation a week, and then we'll go into the movies uh, until we run out? Yeah, <laughs> why not? Uh, well, um, it's not actually street food, but it used to be street food. The bowler across the street from our office is delicious, it's delicious meatballs. Really good. 
Delicious meatballs. Okay. Are we going to get uh, in, in future podcasts <laughs> to the point where you're just going, uh, do you like burgers? Well, there's a Burger King, uh, which who is, uh, he is the king of burgers, and you can find him in Brent Cross <laughs> Shopping Centre. The guy outside Arsenal on a uh, Saturday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> Actually, uh, Pybury Corner is very good around right. around there on, on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, only on match day, so. Uh, right, anyway, welcome, Johnny. Uh, here's today's question. It has been sent in via email from Amy. Amy in air. And she says, hello, it's my... Uh, let's see why I... Amy seemingly went Scottish there. Hello, it's my 32nd birthday today. Uh, congratulations. Happy birthday, Amy. Happy birthday. Uh, although I think she sent this in last week. Oh. Ah. Oh. Uh, I'm watching 16 Candles as I always do on around my birthday as it's also the podcast's 200th anniversary coming up <laughs> when, is it? when is it? Uh, what do you think the best birthday scene in a movie is or is there a film you particularly like to watch on or around your birthday now that's technically two questions in one but I'll allow it as it's Amy's 32nd birthday once again happy birthday and let's take the second part first is there a film you particularly like to watch on or around your birthday Johnny no same here. The Seventh Seal. The inexorability of death. Hooray! No, not really. Not really. I don't I, know. I didn't I don't know. know. I out, going out and stuff. Yeah. I suppose on birthdays. Yeah. I don't know. But I do remember watching Raiders of the Lost Ark on my 12th birthday, which was the greatest day ever. Oh, okay. So probably that. I'm trying to rack my brains for films I went to see on my birthday. And I, actually, all I can remember is... Um, Chris Russius's birthday when he was 10 and we went to see um, The Mighty Ducks of the Champions. Wow. But I actually don't even remember going to see films on my birthday. That's the only birthday party cinema trip I it can remember. It was someone else's birthday. Yeah. That's, that's disgraceful. I remember other people's birthday cinema outings a lot. Usually seeing really weird, terrible films. 2010 A Space Odyssey 2 was one that stuck with me. <laughs> that's not what it's called. <laughs> 2010 A Space Odyssey 2. Isn't it? What's it called? It's just called 2010 A Space Odyssey. Oh, is it? Yeah. They, don't, they didn't add the two. <laughs> yeah, I was over-egging the space yeah. pudding. Okay. The 2010 alone. I, know, I was like seven. I don't even know what I was doing that. What a film for a seven-year-old birthday uh, party. <laughs> I, I, saw, I saw Hugh Friend Roger Rabbit on my friend Wayne Moran's birthday. Uh, we went to Friar Tucks at Burger Chain in Northern Ireland. Uh, we went to the branch in Newry. And then afterwards, we celebrated by watching Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, that that was a day. That's probably the 17th best day of my life. Well, that's still. a good film. I mean, that's that's a film that stood the test of time more than the very first Mighty Ducks film. Because <laughs> everyone knows which, the second one. Well, yeah, which was already not not standing the test of time when it came out. Um, yeah, Roger Rabbit, that's a, that's a good one. Anyway, that's the first part of the question. Sorry, Amy, we, we don't really do that. But the best birthday scene in a movie. Okay. That one's easy. Okay, take it. It's Notting Hill. <laughs> All right. It is. No, it isn't. They go round. Okay, well, this, yeah. is, this is the first date between whatever Hugh Grant's character is called and whatever Julia Roberts' character is called. Uh, Jeremy's, Jeremy's, uh, um, Jeremy, uh, uh, yeah. The that, that's, guy. A, that's his actual surname. A- Anna. That's his actual Anna surname. Anna something. Anna Scott. Anna Scott. But he is actually called Jeremy. Um, uh, yeah. uh, 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 <laughs> just really <laughs> tough to write out on census forms. Uh, they go round and uh, Hugh Bonneville doesn't recognise her and they have that hilarious chat about... about <laughs> I'm laughing at really. acting. Yes. Do you remember? Yes, yes, yes. That's a good scene. That's the best scene in the movie. That's a good scene. It's the best scene in the best of Richard Curtis's movies. Ooh. Ooh, that, Ooh oh, that's so oh, fighting words. It's got punchy. Those are, those I are didn't fighting know that words. was a birthday party, that one. Yeah, it's... Um, 
it's his sister's birthday, That's the right. girl from Vicar of Dibley. That's right. That's a pretty high-pressure first date for Anna, Julia Roberts' character, isn't it? I'd say, well, for uh, Hugh Grant's character, William? William Thacker. William Thacker. Yeah. Holy cow. Good. Where did Jeremy go. come from? Jeremy, uh, 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 <laughs> um... <laughs> It just he, he, it right. he looks like a you know like not not to disparage Jeremy's but he looks like a Jeremy doesn't he he looks he looks like someone who could who could have had Jeremization in his life um, sure okay hmm. that's a good one that's a good one Phil yes uh, Death's birthday in the seventh seal is obviously Classic. huge <laughs> <laughs> well, what's what's uh, what's uh, your choice um, my choice would be two Steve Martins okay the jerk. Yes. His birthday party in the jerk where he's informed that he's not the birth child of the family. And he announced that he asks, you mean I'm going to stay this colour? <laughs> <laughs> Is amazing. Amazing. Uh, and also uh, when Cowboy Dan doesn't show up in Parenthood for his kid's birthday. Oh, of course. It's funny. It's very moving as well. I really love that scene. He yes. just improvises. He tends to be really good at like making animal balloon shapes. But... Um, it's just a hilarious bit of sort of childhood ca- ca- uh, crowd control um, when he turns up as Cowboy Gill, claiming to have slaughtered Cowboy Dan on the way to the party <laughs> and blown a hole in him this big and slipped around in his guts. Um, Cowboy Guilty. Yeah, so I love that scene. That's a really, really, uh, it's a great one. It starts off with him like doing the pinata and the kids lose interest because something else happens and it's just Steve Martin hacking at the piñata and just venting all of his frustration and then it mm. sort of cuts and he comes back and he's got a sore out and he's just cutting it in half um, <laughs> it's just a great scene that one so those two and the game as well the game all of the game yes yes that's 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 one hell of a party Do we? probably the statute of limitations has run out on that one we could probably well, we probably shouldn't give away the ending let's not give away the ending but let's yeah. just say that it, it involves many Many crazy and weird things that if I tried on my brother would end in homicide. <laughs> uh, yeah, Michael Douglas has a party to remember or one he will never be able to forget, should we put it that way, in the game. The question's very interestingly phrased. So it's, uh, what do you think, what do you think the best birthday scene in the movie is? So um, I don't think I'm going to start listing loads of birthday scenes. Uh, if you have a particular favourite, uh, do send it in to us via the usual channels and we will try and read it out on next week's show, which I believe is a 200th show, which I believe is a live show, which I believe has put me into a panic. Uh, but either, that's neither here nor there at this point in time. So the, the best birthday scene in the movie for me is the omen uh it is damien thorne's fifth birthday and his parents gregory peck and lee remick are throwing a party for the little tyke in the grounds of their their country mansion and it's a lovely party they got swings they got roundabouts they got clowns they got magicians and they have their nanny hanging herself <laughs> from the uh the something like the third or fourth floor of their home uh she calls out it's a very, very, you know, amazing scene where she, she calls out and she gets everyone's attention and she goes, Damien, it's all for you. And she swings off the, uh, off the balcony. That doesn't yeah. sound nearly as funny as Cowboy Gill. No, it's not. But I think it's a, an important moment in young Damien's <laughs> life. It really helps him uh, come to terms with some stuff later on. Um, but also it paves way for Billy Whitelaw's Mrs. Baylock to come in and, and terrify everyone, quite frankly. So that's a great scene. But I would really not want that to happen at any birthday party I, I've ever been to or will ever throw. And do you have a depressing one? <laughs> 
yes, Roger Murtaugh in the bath at the beginning of Lethal Weapon. Oh yeah, when he's turning fifty. Oh yeah, that's his, good. His uh, family burst in on him, that's and a good one. he declares for the first time, "I'm too old for this shit." Yay. And then hangs around for about... It's maybe retiring, and then he hangs around... Six more movies. <laughs> yeah, six more movies, and all sorts of stuff as well. All right, so Amy and Air, happy belated birthday once again. Uh, we hope we answered your question to our, sati- yeah, to our satisfaction. We answered, <laughs> I don't know if we answered it to our satisfaction not really. or not. Um, I actually hate Notting Hill. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen the game. So, no. <laughs> Huge fan of Jeremy. Uh, 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 um, so, in the immortal words of uh, Alan Partridge in the Partridge family, uh, if you want to send in your questions to the Empire podcast uh, do so by sending them on Twitter we're at Empire Magazine you can use the hashtag Empire Podcast you can email us podcast at EmperorOnline.com and you can Facebook us as well that is something that is allowed uh, we're on Facebook Empire Magazine we get a lot of messages on Facebook not a lot of questions for the Empire Podcast strange very nice question though and happy birthday for last lovely week lovely question and uh, yeah happy birthday for last week this woman um, has been wished happy birthday by us more than any of her friends yeah, now. we keep on you know, saying it you know what Johnny do you know who hasn't wished her happy birthday I noticed I have. I noticed Phil has. <laughs> you have not. Why not? Why do you hate Amy and Air, Johnny? Uh, Amy, that just isn't true. It's a horrible piece of slander that I'll be uh, having strong words with Chris about after <laughs> when we're off air. But um, it's a week since Amy's birthday. You I mean you clarified that at the start? Lera, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, happy birthday for uh, last week, Amy, and then also for fifty-one weeks' time. <laughs> oh, hedging. Oh, look at that. He's, he's, he's doubling Amy's favour now. Well, happy 40th birthday, Amy, for eight years' time. Oh, you want me to up the ante? Yeah. No. Okay. Look at the line. Even Amy wants to move on. <laughs> Let's talk now uh, some movie news. What's been happening in the world of Hollywood and beyond this week? Uh, the Baptist happened on Sunday. Yeah. That was all very exciting, wasn't it? Um, what did we make of the BAFTA winners? So that The Revenant was the, the, the big one. As expected. Uh, as expected. I mean, I think... I hope that's what we said we expected last week when we... I can't remember what I said five minutes ago. Happy birthday, Amy and Air, uh, by the way, in case I didn't say that five minutes ago. But, yeah, I don't know what I said. Oh. I think we said The Revenant. I think we, I think we probably... I certainly yeah. said... I think we said certainly that Leo would win, uh, and I would be very disappointed yes. when he did. Um, but he did. Uh, congratulations, Leo. I always wanted it to be you. <laughs> and he had a big smile on his face as well because you know he knew he knew how much it meant to you that, that he'd won this award. Do you think, my question of the week is, do you think Leo has been playing Leonardo DiCaprio's red carpet run and what his highest score is on that? <laughs> Leo's red carpet rampage. Rampage, that's yeah. it. Yeah. God, which it's is, uh, which If you don't know what it is, it's a game in the style of a sort of 80s video game, like a sort of Nintendo-y type thing. That someone has made. I don't know who made it, but it's, it's on. It's on the internet. Uh, but Red Carpet Rampage is a lot of fun. Any um, surprises at the Baftas? Any surprises at the Baftas? Uh, I think Kate Winslet winning was a surprise. Yeah, she seemed surprised. Yeah. Full disclosure: I was there, very close to Kate. Um, <laughs> at least in uh, where I was sitting, rather than I was. Else. I was exactly fifty-one yards away from Kate. Uh, that's very precise, I know, but I, I've been told to make sure it is fifty-one yards. I took a trundle wheel to check. <laughs> yeah. A laser pointer just to make sure. Yeah, that's fifty-one yards. We're all good, Kate. Thank you. Carry on. Win your award. Uh, yeah, she was very surprised, but. Uh, a really lovely touch is she walked past uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as uh-huh. she went to the stage and he uh, gave her a little wink. Oh, Cheeky. I thought maybe a little lovely touch would be they climbed onto a, a large piece of wood together and just lay there for a bit. And then she was like, I'm just sorry, there's just no room. <laughs> there's just no room. What about over there? Nope. 
Off you pop, decapsicle. Decap, because he's a pop. Anyway, yeah, I think that she was surprised. And quite right. And quite... No, it's a very, very good performance. Yes, it is. It's a very good... <laughs> You're a flip-flopper, Johnny. I like that. <laughs> Down with Kate Winslet. Yay, up with Kate Winslet. No, she was, she's very, very good in that film. And that's a category I don't think has had a, a front-runner. Every other category has had a front-runner. So Brie Larson nailed on for Best Actress. Leo DiCaprio nailed on for Best Actor. Uh... Even in supporting, not over here, weirdly enough, because Sly Stallone wasn't nominated by BAFTA. Uh, so Mark Rylance took the award. But in the States, Stallone is the front runner, and I'd be amazed if he didn't win. But uh, Rylance was certainly the front runner for BAFTA. Yes, he was. Absolutely. Um, but what did, we, what did we make of the, uh, the show itself? You were there, Johnny. You I was there. Saw it. I, so, I was so there, but you. I didn't see it. My, yeah, I was I was working at the time, so I didn't. I saw bits and pieces of it. I thought Rebel Wilson's speech was very funny. Very good. I thought Sasha Baron Cohen's was funny in concept, perhaps not in execution. Uh, the great thing about Rebel Wilson's uh, speech was uh, the person controlling the altar queue at the back of the th- uh, the theatre right. who completely lost it and was trying to find out where she was on the thing. And obviously, she wasn't anywhere because it wasn't on the altar queue because she was out living. She's absolutely not going to tell them what she's going to say <laughs> if she's saying that. But this guy just well, you just see the words go up and down, up and down, up and down. <laughs> really? Where am I? And then, then just decided to just, you know, settle on and the nominations are and just wait for her to get there. <laughs> I thought she was great. What did we think of uh, Stephen Fry's performance as host? He was on our podcast last week, uh, National Treasure. I mean, he's quit Twitter, hasn't he? He has quit Twitter. He's a, he's a quitter, uh, a Twitter quitter. But he'll be back. Presumably. I mean, if, if, if they are friends, it doesn't seem to be to be... A problem. Yeah, so this is, um, again, again, in case you don't know, this is the, the controversy that, that, that sprung up after Stephen Fry, after Jenny Beaven, won Best Costume Design for Mad Max Fury Road. And she took to the stage. And she, she dresses in quite an unorthodox manner, I think that's fair to say. And then uh, Stephen Fry said, only, only a great costume designer, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, only a great costume designer could come to the BAFTAs dressed like a bag lady. And... Of all the cracks he made during the, the night, including a series of cracks that suggested he was some sort of weird Joseph Fritzl esque keeping Eddie Redman serial in his killer, yeah, keeping Eddie Redman, his, Eddie Redman in his basement. He wanted to do that, and his joke about Michael uh, Fassbender and Steve Jobs was, uh, "He looked so amazing. He looked so amazing. I wish I could click on him, drag him up to the stage, and then a short time later delete my search history," which implies he's going to do something unspeakable to Michael <laughs> Fassbender. So it's just so. Those jokes were fine, <laughs> but for some reason, an offhand comment about Jenny Beaven uh, got the, the internet hordes up in arms, the, the, the pitchfork and torch brigade. And uh, Stephen Fry then took to Twitter and said, look, we're, we're old friends. We have been for a long, long time. She got the joke. She understood the joke. It's a private joke. Leave me alone. And then he was hounded a bit more and then he left. Um, what, what do we think? What do we make of that? Well, I, as she walked up to the stage, there was a, an element of, wow, she doesn't give a fuck. She was, I mean, she wasn't... <laughs> And she was just wearing jeans, a top and a scarf. It's yeah. not really bag lady. No. But I mean, you know, I see where he went for the humour. But like, there was an element of, wow, she doesn't care at all, you know. And so her, the way she was dressed was, you know, there was a ripple of comments about it, you know, to the person sitting next to you, uh, I assume. Uh, and then he made the comment and suddenly everyone else is like, well, I wasn't thinking that. <laughs> I think he'll be back. He'll be back on Twitter. He's left and Twitter before, right? He has left Twitter before. He'll come back. He'll come back. Uh, but the show itself, the good thing about the BAFTAs is it doesn't try and emulate the Oscars. It doesn't have loads of musical performances. It's very, very straightforward. It's it's here, I'm Stephen Fry. I'll do some jokes now. Here are some people to nominate uh, to present awards. Some of them will be good. Some of them will be not so good. 
you either and then here come the winners and that's it bye and there's not there's no musical numbers there's none of that stuff there's no one coming out and doing trying to really do high concept funny bits I, I quite like the way it flows it's, the thing started f- for us it started about what 7 o'clock it starts about 7 yeah I don't remember sorry uh, starts by 7 ends about 9.30 9.45 that's that's perfect that's what the Jemison Empire Awards comes in at roughly two two and a half hours that is perfect take note Oscars um, and also while we're talking about the Jemison Empire Awards nominations were announced they're this out week. well today mm. for us and tomorrow no yesterday, yesterday for you when you listen to it tomorrow <laughs> oh, time's difficult isn't I it I know this, this temporal stuff's really tough um, so where do you want to start where should we where shall we start What's the best film choices? What could I vote for if I were allowed to? Okay. Best film presented by Sky Movies. Now, the uh-huh. nominations are mm-hmm. The Hateful Eight. Never heard of it. Mm. Mad Max, Fury Road. Mm. The Martian. Okay. The Revenant. Mm. And Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Ooh. Uh, rings some bells. That's a very solid list of, of films there. You would vote for them all in a different year. Uh, I would vote for most does, of them does, in a different that, year. Does that make sense that... Any one of those feels like a worthy winner. What's interesting to me there is that uh, so the, the the Empire Awards have always been and will always be voted for by the public. So these nominations have been compiled from the public vote. The public have been voting in there thousands over the last what month, two months, something like that. This is where we've arrived at. And what's interesting to me is that if you look at that, the the Revenant, the Hateful Eight, uh, Martian, Matt Max Fury Road, and yes, obviously Star Wars, but. The obvious blockbusters I thought would be in there aren't. Jurassic World. No Jurassic World, no Spectre, no Avengers Age of Ultron. This is interesting to me. Mm. Well, these five films are better than those three. Uh, I, I would I would disagree with that on uh, Ultron. I, I know, one I know, of I know, those movies. I know. No I know. Sicario. No Sicario, but that, that is in another category, isn't it, Johnny? Best Thriller. Presented by the Corinthia Hotel London. <laughs> That's the important part. Uh, Bridge of Spies, um, The Gift, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Sicario and Spectre. I think this is a really solid, really good list of uh, of, of nominations that, that reflect... There are some awards-worthy nominations in there, but there are also films that people see, people go to see, people pay f- with their own money to see. Um, which is If you were allowed thing. to uh, vote, Johnny, which would be your choice of best films? Uh, I think uh, best film is very, very difficult. I would... Probably go. I'd probably go for Star Wars. Would you? I just had such a good time with that film twice. <laughs> what would you feel for a film? Mad Max. Okay. Uh, Force Majeure is not on the list, by the way, <laughs> just in case. What? <laughs> you're wondering. What? This is an outrage. Uh, I'd go for either Mad Max or Hateful Eight from, from that, that little lot. That'd be good. That'd be solid. There's some really interesting categories. Uh, try and pick a winner from this little lot. Best female newcomer. Uh, Olivia Cook, Me and Errol and Diane Girl, Rebecca Ferguson, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, uh, Micah Monroe, It Follows, Belle Powley, The Diary of a Teenage uh, Girl, and Daisy Ridley, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Belle Powley, Bell Powley. Oh, wow. Bloody hell. Rebecca Ferguson's for me. No, no, I think. Belle Powley, 2 1. Oh, 2 1. 2 1 <laughs> to Belle Powley. This is legally binding, by the way. Uh, so, uh, Best Sci Fi Fantasy, Hunger Games, Mocking J Part 2, Jurassic World, Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, wow. It's almost like best film. Like a, like a redux. Uh, best male newcomer, Abraham Atta from Beast of No Nation, John Boyega, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Was he nominated for Attack the Block as well in the same category a few years ago? He was. Okay. Uh, he was, and uh, that's happened before. There is precedent. Okay. There is precedent. Uh, it's the second coming. Like, Jim Arkin was nominated twice for Best uh, yeah. best Female new- Newcomer. Mm. Uh, Thomas Mann, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, Jason Mitchell, Straight Outta Compton, and Jacob Tremblay for Room. 
uh, intriguing. I wonder if the power of Star Wars is going to power people to... Well, it certainly did for the only um, audience voted award at the BAFTAs. Oh, he won. Um, he did win Rising Star E E Rising Star e. Award. E. Rising Star Award, Best Comedy presented by Absolute Radio. Ant Man, Me and Earl and a Dying Girl, Spy, Trainwreck, Inside Out. Yes, it's good. Very Best good. Horror, Crimson Peak, The Hollow, Insidious Chapter Three. It follows Krampus. Oh, good, excellent. Uh, Best Thriller, as you've already said, Bridge of Spies, A Gift, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, Sicario, Spectre. Best British Film. Uh, presented by the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, Forty-five years, Legend, Macbeth, Spectre. Oh, can I say Macbeth? Uh, the Scottish yeah. film. The Scottish film. Uh, Spectre uh, and Suffragette. Jemison, Best Actor, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Michael Fassbender for Macbeth and Steve Jobs. Tom Hardy for Legend, Mad Max Fury Road, and Michael B. Jordan. Yes, uh, for Creed. More mm. sliced alone. Uh, best Actress Emily Blunt, Brie Larson, Jennifer Lawrence for Hunger Games, uh, Charlize Theron, yes, for Mad Max Fury Road, and Alicia Vikander, mm. the Danish girl. We are putting right the wrongs Oscar and BAFTA here. This is great. Uh, best Director JJ Abrams, uh, Ryan Coogler, yes, Alejandro Gonzalez, Inaritu, uh, George Miller, yes, and really, you may notice I've got some favourites here. And Ridley Scott for The Martian. Uh, best TV series has a new one this year uh, Marvel's Daredevil, Fargo. Uh, Game of Thrones Marvel's Jessica Jones This is single at 90 And then there's a whole bunch Of other ones as well But this is a really solid Really good list of uh, of nominations Vote well, now Well done Empire Readers Vote now at www.empireonline.com <laughs> Forward slash Awards 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 Empire Awards Empire Awards No it's just awards Go to the homepage And Hang go on, from we've got there it down We here. have no so idea What the hell the URL is uh, This is but Vote now and Vote article. hard Vote hard uh, Vote hard or yeah. Vote home in the Brian Butterfield style. It's w double w forward dot forward slash awards. Uh, right, so that's enough uh, awards malarkey. Uh, some other stuff to talk about this week is that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two started filming uh, and has added some uh, new cast members to its cast. I hope it's Kurt Russell. You know what? I hope it's Kurt Russell as well. Let me just Google this and find out. It's Kurt Russell! Kurt Russell has been added to the cast of, of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The character he's playing has not been confirmed, but um, it's almost certainly going to be the, the dad of Chris Pratt's Peter Quill. Uh, we know that he will play a major part in this movie. And Kurt Russell just feels right to me. We've said this in the podcast before. I've been lobbying hard. Uh, for this to happen and dreaming of it if you will um, Kurt Russell in a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie is already a seven star event for me but um, what do we think of this? You've actually been lobbying for this to happen I have uh, well not lobbying I haven't taken out a petition oh, or anything but you know I, I mentioned it on the podcast a couple of years ago after the film came out and I said I've, I've tweeted about it from time to time wouldn't it be great if feels like a great marriage of tonal marriage of like Russellness mm. and the Guardians world just feels right doesn't it yeah straight away Chris Pratt I don't know why just yeah mm. yeah yeah exactly mm. uh, I thought then I started overthinking it oh in my usual kind of way so I started thinking because we don't know which character he's going to play we know that uh, Peter Quill's dad in the comics is Jason who's a rubbish character and James Gunn thinks so as well he's going to he's changed the character's name and origin all sort of stuff we don't know who he's playing yet I'm wondering if he's playing Kurt Russell hmm I remember this conversation actually ground the office to a halt last night. Yeah, well, and we were it's all about to ground the podcast to a halt as well. Okay. Uh, because, think on it here. Okay, so Kurt Russell is the first actor who's been cast in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 
who could conceivably, who Peter Quill could recognise, right? You with me so far? Kind of. You with me so far? All right, so in 1988, when Peter Quill is abducted and taken from Earth to the, the, the confines of outer space, all right, mm-hmm. Kurt Russell is already a big star. Oh, That's, I hear okay. what you're saying. See, see, what, see you what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying here? So he's seen like a So when he sees right. a person who looks like Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, I mean, this is a man who's already discussed with Kevin Bacon, Kevin Bacon right, in the first yeah. movie. So if he sees Kurt Russell in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, he's going to say, you look like Kurt Russell, right? So my thinking is, what if Kurt Russell <laughs> is playing himself and he is... Peter Quill's father. The maths work out. I've worked at it. I've looked at this. So if Peter Quill's eight years old in 1988, then he was born in 1980, right? So that means that Kurt Russell didn't have to cheat on Goldie Hawn. Is this have. why you were asking about Goldie Hawn yesterday? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they got together in 1983 on the I set see, of John and Demi's Swing Shift. So, if, you know, that, that, that wonderful union has not, would not be affected by Kurt Russell actually being Would that mean Peter that the actual real Kurt Russell would have to be a character in the Marvel Universe. Yes. The comic book universe. But also what it means is that Kurt Russell in this universe would be some sort of space alien imbued with incredible powers, and I think we can all buy that. Oh, my God. This is just blowing my mind. That is crazy. This is the greatest real person appearing in a comic book since... <laughs> I think since Spando Ballet were in Roy the Rovers. Like, <laughs> Spando Ballet and Roy the Rovers. In the early 80s. I mean, oh this my is word. just like... It's Incredible. almost certainly happening. I was as you started. I was like, "This would be terrible," and now, but now like, this would be awesome. I've got, I've, t- I've turned you around on it. It's amazing. And I, yeah, that's right. Spandau Ballet. They signed for Melchester Rovers, didn't they? They was actually it, played both with, of them. Were just one. It was no. It was two camps. It was right. it was both camps. They 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 signed up, and they played. Yeah, I wasn't lying to you, Chris. I, that's amazing. And but now you just make me think of that horrible bus crash that Melchester Rovers had, where a lot of them died, and it was. Oh yeah, the, uh, and then Roy Roy Brace lost his. Uh, I think he lost his foot. Was it on Was it on his birthday? He right he now. lost his foot in a uh, helicopter crash. He lost his foot in a helicopter crash. Did he? Yeah. March ninety three. Did he? Yeah. That's so bleak. <laughs> a lot of bad things have happened to Roy Race over the oh, years. Boy. But that was the yeah. end of the weekly comic, and it came back in the September of ninety three as a monthly. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh gosh. Okay. Anyway, I think oh, that's it's a, a nice idea, but that's probably not true. Um, um, we've seen a picture <laughs> from it. The first sort of production still. Um, in which we have Mini Groot uh, <laughs> perched on the shoulder of. I'm, I'm, I'm on the shoulder of. No, I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you. Uh, I'm gonna let oh, you dig myself one. out of this one. Oh, you know, but you're not going to tell me. It's Drax. It's Drax. It's Drax. on Drax's shoulder. Dave Bautista's Drax. So he's going into action in miniature form. That's basically is. a loose collection of twiglets. <laughs> he is. <laughs> it changes uh, the dynamic a bit, doesn't it? I suppose. Well, I want to know what his voice is like because they, they've confirmed that Vin Diesel's going to come back. So if he remains baby-sized Groot all the way through, <laughs> yeah, I am Groot. Uh, it could be interesting. Uh, we also know there's going to be changes to the uh, the lineup of the Guardians uh, going through it. So other people are returning: Michael Rooker as Yondu, Karen Gillan as Nebula, Sean Gunn as Kraglin. Um, obviously, the the five Guardians are back: so Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Bradley Cooper as Rocket, and Vin Diesel as Groot. Um, Kurt Russell and some new cast members: Elizabeth Debicki, who's fantastic. Um, playing a character that's yet to be announced uh, Palm Clementiev will play Mantis and Chris Sullivan's also joined the cast as well uh, as you know I love the first movie um, and I'm really intrigued to see what they do this time around but there you go I'm very excited about that and I'm also excited by the news breaking about Kingsman 2 which starts filming in the next six weeks or so uh, and Julianne Moore is in talks to play the bad guy or bad lady in, in that one uh, what do we reckon about that casting? Seems seems pretty 
Pretty interesting. Very good. It reunites. Are we going to potentially be reuniting uh, the cast of a single man? <laughs> one by one. Okay. Uh, if Colin Firth returns. Uh, is he returning? Well, it says here he isn't returning for the sequel. Right. Um, okay. But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, really good. She's great. She's in one of the films we'll be reviewing later. Yes. So uh, it just shows you her range. Yes. She can do all sorts of things. Yes. Uh, uh, things things I know uh, things we know previously uh, that have been uttered publicly by Matthew Vaughn about the uh, the Kingsman sequel is that it will involve other Kingsmen around the world. Um, so like different branches of the Kingsmen. Uh, so there'll be American Kingsmen that, that sort of stuff. So I wonder if she'll be involved with that somehow. Maybe. But yeah, I don't know. I can't see uh, how Colin Firth comes back for this movie given events of the previous film not to spoil too much but yeah we shall we'll, see but we yeah, shall see. looks good we shall see but looks yeah. good looks good um, I've got some news oh wow can I share it yeah of course it's uh, Woolly on the web Woolly on the web Stephen Woolley Woolly on the pod Woolly, Woolly on the pod yes Woolly he on the pod he had a movie with General Sod does he has he ever, <laughs> has he ever produced <laughs> never a movie with Sharon Stamp never been involved it's possible <laughs> but he's definitely going to be involved in a movie with Sir Sharonan uh, did I say that correctly Sir Sharonan Sir Sharonan yeah um who didn't win a BAFTA for her work in um, Brooklyn, which was fantastic, but she has scored the lead role in the latest Ian McEwan adaptation on Chesil Beach okay. uh, with Stephen Woolley and his producing partner and partner partner, Elizabeth Carlson, um, which I think is very, very good casting. If you read the book, it's actually more of a novella. It's really short. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might um, read it then. <laughs> Why do you have like a specific <laughs> maximum pages? You have your shorts. Cross? Uh, well, we've already discussed it this week, uh, myself and Chris. That yeah. I struggle to get through an entire book. Okay. if Jack Reacher doesn't appear at some point, because it seems, what's the point? Yeah. Well, we think you should say that because this is a book in which Cicerone will be playing a woman who is it's called Jack Reacher, <laughs> who is has a clock in her head. No, she's. Um, <laughs> she's engaged to be married, but it's a book about kind of sexual. Is it pronounced Mores or Moors? Oh, I don't know. Maybe just use a different Moors. phrase. Moors. Okay. Yeah. Sexual uh, politics conventions okay. of yeah. the earlier part of the 20th like, century. I do like a nice sexual convention. I went to one in Blackpool. And <laughs> Not those sort of sexual conventions, Chris. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're grim in <laughs> and, uh, and her engagement to be married and things go wrong and then Jack Richard turns up. So yeah, that works. I'll so bring it in for you tomorrow. You I wasn't on board, and then I am on board. Um, Johnny's only been in Empire a few weeks, but I've already learned that I have to go. If you read another book that's not a Reacher book, I have to go and scroll Jack Reacher's name in, in pen into a random page just to keep your interest up. Oh, there it is! Uh, I'm so close to finishing my Reacher reread. Are you? I'm halfway through Make Me at the moment. Which and is the most recent one. The most recent one. This is it. This is it. And then what I'm doing after that... Um, <laughs> another segue. What I'm doing after that is I'm reading The Making of Make Me, do you, do you know you know about this book? I'm which aware is, of it. Yeah, um, a, a guy who's a literary professor uh, shadowed Lee Child through the writing of Make Me, the twentieth Jack Reacher book, and wrote a book about it. So unfettered access to one of the great brains of our time, which sounds like a really good idea. But I think in practice, I think I, I, I did start it because I had Jack Reacher in it. Yeah, uh, and. <laughs> I'm trapped in a room with two Jack Reacher fanatics. It's like a plot to a Jack Reacher novel. <laughs> Please. He would say nothing. Come on. All right, let's move on. Yeah. Uh, some other stuff happening very, very quickly. Uh, Ron Howard is attached to direct, finally, this Robert Downey Jr. Pinocchio movie, which oh, has been at last. knocking around. Well, it's been knocking around for so long that I thought it had gone away. Um, but Ron Howard is attached to direct that. Thoughts? 
Well, I, I thought I expressed my thoughts um, just with, with the... Use it with the sarcastic, at last. Yeah, uh, which is, look, I'm sure it'll be perfectly fine. Okay. Adam McKay will definitely return to help script Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's good news. Donnie Yen is confirmed for Triple X, the return of Sander Cage. Um, V-U. I know. I still can't believe that film's been made. Uh, Keira Knightley will play Catherine the Great for director Barbara Streisand. Oh. The news that's so guaranteed to make our art director Chris Lupton happy. Yes. It just couldn't be more. He is uh, uh, a Barbara acolyte. Uh, so he he loves He loves Barbara Babs. Babs. He loves Babs. Uh, so yeah, she hasn't Barbara Streisand hasn't directed a film for two decades. Now she's directing a biopic of the Russian Empress Catherine the Great. Um Angelina Jolie was was sniffing around a, a similar uh, adaptation a while ago. Ooh, competing but, Catherine the Great films. I know it's like when Deep Impact went up against Armageddon. It'll be it'll be huge. Uh, the biopic will find the young Catherine. He said, reading off a page, dealing with the rigors of royalty after 1762 when she took power following her husband's assassination. Uh, trapped in an abusive marriage, she nevertheless went on to make strides in modernizing the Russian Empire. So there we go. Will there be a bit with a horse? I think that's what we're all thinking. Oh, almost certainly. Okay. Will Babs appear and will Babs sing? This is what we want to know. Uh, no and no, probably. <laughs> I'm guessing so. Uh, it would uh, be a bit weird. Uh, worth mentioning, Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool, the Deadpool movie announced on this very podcast, not however long ago when it was announced by Ryan Reynolds, made all the money at the box office this week. I don't think anybody was expecting it to go as big as it has. Yeah. Uh, $150 million over the President's Day weekend, which I believe for an R-rated movie beat... Fifty Shades of Grey, I think, uh, held the record. It, it beat everything. Beat everything. But specifically, that was the most recent record holder. Um, and I'm not sure even 20th Century Fox's wildest dreams they could have imagined it's been as huge as it has been. No. So it's shifted everything, really, hasn't it? I mean, there'll be a sequel, obviously. Um, will it bring Deadpool back into the X-Men universe, potentially? We talked about this in the spoiler special, which you can now listen to uh, as well. And I would hope that they use his character sparingly. Mm. Yes, it's right. getting him out of the X-Men universe that's enabled this yeah. thing to be the success it's been, I think. So yeah. sticking him straight back in would potentially be an error. Because I think also, we didn't talk about this in the Spawner special, I think if you put him into like an apocalypse or you put him into uh, a film with other X-Men where he can't break the fourth wall, that would not work for me. Yeah, he'd have some singing repartee with other people and he'd be taking the piss out of them. But you'd be expecting him to do his R-rated thing and he couldn't do that. And he couldn't talk to the camera because that would be weird. Mm. So keep him in his own movie and let other people come into his films and interact with him rather than the other way around. Yeah, I mean, it already didn't work in, uh, <laughs> in Wolverine Origins. It already, Precisely, precisely. When he couldn't talk to the camera, poor guy, and he has lips sewn shut. Terrible. Okay, some very sad news to round off the uh, news section, sadly. Uh, so Police Academy star George Gaines, Commandant Lazard, a man who made me howl with laughter as a kid, most notably for the scene where he receives a clandestine how should I say this? Clandestine oral... Blowjob. Not right now, Phil. I'm doing a podcast. But uh, a clandestine bit of oral pleasure from a, from a lady of the night under a podium as he gives a speech. It's on YouTube, that scene. It's absolutely astonishing. Uh, and I've said in the podcast before that I watched that movie when I was seven years old. I watched it with my mum. And I said, Mum, what's the lady doing? And then my mum said, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's the thing. I'm, I'm, I still think she didn't actually know. But there you go. So uh, he was amazing. 98 years old. He passed away this week. And um, 
a man who also passed away this week was uh, the Polish film director Andrzej Sulawski, who directed a film called Possession in the early 80s, which is absolutely brilliant, bonkers, batshit crazy. Uh, Sam Neill and Isabel Adjani going through the mother of all marriage breakups. And I'm, I'm not going to say anything else about that because, Phil, have you seen this film? No, I'd yeah, love to. No, yeah. I've heard many things. It's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. And he passed away age 75. Uh, and uh, a lot of people on Twitter, including Scott Derrickson and Guillermo del Toro, were effusive in their, their praise for the, the man. Uh, del Toro called him the master and said he was uh, in talks to to design a monster for his next film, which, of course, we will never see. But uh, do check out Possession. I, I believe, weirdly enough, it's on YouTube. Uh, which is probably not the greatest place to see it. I'm not sure if there's a Blu-ray out at the moment, uh, but do go and try and find this film because it it, it will truly blow your mind. Uh, so that's George Gaines and Andrzej Solowski who died this week. Okay, time now for uh, some guests on the Empire Podcast. John Hillcoat's crime thriller, Triple Nine, uh, has one of those amazing all-star casts that make you wish the poster could be a gatefold. It's got Chiwetel Ejiofor, uh, Kate Winslet, Casey Affleck, Woody Harrelson, Norman Reedus, and it's got Aaron Paul and Anthony Mackie as well. They all-star in a very tense tale of a group of robbers and corrupt cops who are under pressure to pull off the biggest score of their lives, lest a Russian mafia turn them into concrete sidings. Paul and Mackie popped into the pop booth last week when they were in town, and we sent our very own tough guy, Phil, yeah. along to chat with them. Enjoy. Wow, what a pleasure to welcome Oren Paul and Anthony Mackie to the Empire podcast. Thank you. Here to talk about John Hillcutt's Triple Nine. Um, Thank you, Vern. In this country, we might call it 999. It's the number you dial when you need ambulance, police, fire brigade. Your kettle's broken, you need someone to bring you a cup of tea, cat stuck up a tree. <laughs> all, those, all those kind of British problems. Um, in this movie, it means something slightly different. Do you just want to put it in context for the listeners, what, what Triple Nine means here? Yeah, yeah, it's a police code for officer down. Police injured in the line of duty. They get on the radio, call 999. All the police rush to that location. Okay, so that's a key plot point. You guys play bad cops. Yes. Bad cops look like so much fun to play. They like are. You get to do the cool cop stuff. You also get to do the cool bad guy stuff. Yeah. Um, you must have seen John Hilkert's other movies, Proposition, The Road, Lawless. Uh-huh. I thought it's probably not going to be... You know, a lot of flowers and daisies, this one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, true. Yeah, we, we, we definitely knew it was going to be uh, a brutally honest, gritty film. Mm. Yes, with some cool set pieces. Like, yeah. it's being mentioned in the same breath as Heat. It's got one of the best outdoor shootout scenes I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that whole, yeah. Where you guys are kind of all covered in exploding dye pack. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> we definitely, everybody had red rings around their noses for yeah. like two or three days with all the dye. There was yeah. a lot of hacking up red lungs. What is that stuff? Is it, do they use the same stuff that they use in actual bank, in actual bank? Because to put it in context, you guys, it's early in the film, so it's not a big spoiler, but you break into a bank, yeah. steal, and your character, Jesse, Gabe Welsh, does a bad thing. He steals some money. It's not what they're there for. Grabs a bag of it, can't resist, and the dye pack explodes during the getaway, which causes mayhem. What do they explode? What is this red stuff that they explode all over you? It was like, they said it was like a f- flavored smoke. Oh. They say it wasn't hazardous. Yeah, exactly. I was way. just going to say, they said it was it, safe. Right. But <laughs> nobody know. could breathe yeah. or see for the rest <laughs> of the day. Like, you're going to be fine. Right. We, do, we don't want to be anywhere near it, but you're going to be, you're gonna be <laughs> fine. No one would come by the van. You yeah. see the whole crew kind of moving their equipment to a safe right. perimeter. <laughs> and what pissed us off was we're like, we're in a van with red dye with our face covered. 
get somebody else to do this shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, no one. It could have no, been anyone. No, it could have been anyone. Was yeah. it you guys in that scene, or were you just kind of like in a different part of Atlanta having lunch at the time? I wish. I wish. <laughs> it yeah. looked, no, it, it was us. It was us. It was fun. Yeah. yeah. It, it looked grueling. Atlanta as a whole, I, I've kind of always wanted to. You grew up not too far from Georgia, mm. didn't you, Anthony? Mm. Um, I've always kind of liked the idea of going to Atlanta. I've got to be honest, having seen this film, I'm not entirely sure that I still want to. Did you have guys from like the Atlanta tourist board standing around the set going, please, you know, taking value? I just think it's very important. Don't come across the police in Atlanta. Yeah, but not just the police. You've got Russian gangsters, Russian Jewish gangsters. You've got, uh, which are the worst. Those are the worst. Those are bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, Atlanta's just as rough as any city. I mean, we don't have cab strikes or anything like that but it's um atlanta definitely has a dirty side and everybody kind of i can't believe you just compared uh the cab strike in london to (laughs) the criminal (laughs) underworld depicted in triple nine why didn't you make the movie in london with the cabs exactly that's how scary y'all get right we have cab drivers who strike Uh. (laughs) it gets pretty raw around here Anthony. (laughs) stick around there are some great set pieces as i say um it's also got just by happenstance an incredible ensemble cast for kind of sofa jockeys and people that love netflix and hbo Mm. um jesse pinkman obviously you've got omar from the wire Daryl Dixon as well from The yeah. Walking Dead. Norman Reedus is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even have a question. I just wanted to sort of put that out there. That, that yeah. you, you've yeah. got some real TV pedigree here. Yeah, um, did you see Michael K. Williams dressed as Sweet Pea on set? Were you, were you on set the day that you saw him? Because he plays this kind of, I don't know, how, how would you describe his character? A uh, flamboyant drag queen. Yeah, that's <laughs> drag that's a queen good, prostitute that's a good stripper. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I didn't <laughs> see him. I wanted to see him. I wanted, we all wanted to right. see him. I saw yeah. a picture of him and I, I realized that I, I was happy I didn't see him in person. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen him at the end of the end of the road. It seems like John Hilker has something in store for him in every one of his movies. That's definitely, kind of a bit out definitely, there. Definitely. Um, it was pretty cool. You guys, the two of you have an epic fight on a staircase. Mm. Fights, I imagine, are tough to do. Add in the staircase uh, angle. H- how was it? How did you, how did you, was he, because you're kind of on the receiving end of this one, aren't you, Aaron? Yeah. Much. From my part, I mean, Stuntman really did the heavy lifting for, <laughs> for me. I just stood back and watched him fall down those steps over and oh, over and no. over and over again. Um, but at each landing, I was, you know, I, I'd run in and. Yeah, and do my do my stuff. Fair yeah. enough. And and uh, Anthony, that was you. That oh, was yeah. me. Putting, I can, I can throw, down. as you guys would say, a wicked punch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, you can. <laughs> People that saw Ant Man might disagree potentially. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting in Ant Man. I don't understand what it takes to win a fight anymore because I landed more punches and he ran away at the end of the fight, but I lost. <laughs> All right, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> I don't know. It was a lot of people's favorite moment in that movie. Right. Um, your, your, your kind of, I guess, defeated payoff line. Please don't tell Cap about this. <laughs> it was a fun movie. It was a fun scene to shoot. I feel like, you know, those little tidbits are what make the movies fun because you don't expect them. How long did it take you to shoot that fight sequence? Uh, about a week. Oh, wow. About a week. Wow. Then I came back and I did reshoots like four times because... <laughs> Midway through, they're like, we're going to change the wardrobe. Then they were like, we're going to change the fight. Then they're like, oh, well, we're going to fight it like this way. And then we need you to say this line and do this. I'm like, dude, I've shot more for these fucking three minutes than any other movie I've ever done. Three minutes. Really? 
Yeah, it was hardcore. Compare it to this movie, Triple Nine. There are no ants. Um, <laughs> and I think we kick a lot more ass in this movie. You do. Um, I hear that, that, that your stunt driving is awesome in this movie. Your van driving, especially. Oh, yeah. I got to drive the van a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. So you're not using a low rider. It was just all, all Aaron Paul behind the wheel. Yeah, yeah. It was fun. Any chance I get to get behind the wheel while rolling camera i feel like i go a little much but uh, <laughs> it's great it's so fun self-realization very yeah. good very yeah good. but you you felt safe though right not at all <laughs> <laughs> we were in the back like holy shit um the first seven heads of the movie yeah, yeah in this movie i think three of them were you there that day i think that was that was more your scene wasn't it, Anthony? yeah we had a great makeup team yeah and you know ironically enough those guys um, made those heads and literally piece by piece put them together and tapped in the blood and all that stuff. It was really interesting to see them do because they're just obsessed with makeup. So they yeah. want to make it look as real as possible. Yeah, pretty macabre. Good. Yeah. yeah. Um, if you see them in person, they're even scarier. There, there are a lot of kind of movie movies that this, this film spring, brings to mind. Um, the Departed is an obvious one as well. Heat for the set pieces. Did John mention any? Did he give you films that you should check out before you kind of turn up on set for the first time? Or was he just not really drawing those kind of references? No, I mean, he, he gave us all a big giant Bible like of information. Um that we could just kind of pull from with me and all of the did you do some ride-alongs prior to this right yeah, for and, another project yeah for another yeah. project and uh i he set me up with some uh ride-alongs with the lapd and so he just really it was important to him that we had personal experiences to draw from that was an interesting interesting couple days yeah you know experienced anything like that before no i never it's it's a world that's so foreign to me that we all know exists but being in the back of you know a black and white car going through those neighborhoods and seeing the way cops are viewed um was really interesting eye-opening right yeah. We'll get you sorted out with some ride-alongs in black cabs for the, <laughs> the UK remake. Yeah. Open your eyes to some dark <laughs> stuff, <laughs> I reckon. I have to ask you this one. Aaron, <laughs> Captain America Civil War, are you uh, Team Cap or Team Tony Stark? Oh, I man. think there's a right answer to this question, is there, Anthony? Uh, no, I mean, I'm anti-establishment, so I'm definitely Team Cap. You're that's actually a, on a, Team Cap, though, aren't you? <laughs> good observation. Yeah, I would like to. I would like to agree with this this young man here, <laughs> Team Cap, all the way. Can you tell me a little bit about the first movie? First Captain America was kind of a war movie. The second one was seventy spy vibe. What's the tone of this one going to be like? I'm assuming not another. Um, I would say this one is more of a true um, suspense thriller. Right. I think. The build-up to the fight is what makes it so interesting because there are so many different factions of who's right and who's wrong and who supports who. So once we get all of that out of the way, then it becomes more, I would say, action-packed, more of us kicking each other's ass. Because there's quite a lot of kind of character moments in four, I guess. In the first. Well, you know, if it's a civil war, you have to establish why there's a war. You can't just start fighting and expect people to appreciate it. I feel like... 
you know, what Marvel is very good at doing is making these movies about stories and characters and then layering action into it. Right. And this holds true to that. Chiwetel Ejiofor, your co-star from Triple Nine, uh-huh. he's just entered the Marvel Doctor Strange. Right. Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. Have you been spinning him lies about how hard it is to work on the MCU? Uh, no, no need to lie to him. He knows. He knows now. <laughs> You've told him about the reshoots. Yeah, we told Real simple. He's like, oh, you know, Dr. Strange is going to be so cool. It's like, be prepared for a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> I just had a question about your character goes on a kind of a uh, quite a dark emotional trajectory in this movie. Um, a lot of drinking, a lot of boozing. Um, people say, actors say that when they're playing drunk, the key is to like make like you're not drunk. You know, kind of just... Because when you're drunk, you try and pretend you're sober. Right. My whole thing seems, is, are there different kind of approaches to playing drunk? Because this guy seems to have given I, up a little bit. I just am drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just drink on set. Um, all day. Just all day. And then, you know, hopefully not black out too much. What's your poison? On set poison? Probably just whiskey. You know, it's just straight up whiskey. Not some of that moonshine from Lawless. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, I'm not against moonshine. You got yeah. some, I'll take a some. Yeah, I mean, I'll take some right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, you don't, you never want to overplay drunk. No. Got to ask you about the Hurt Locker, working with your with Hawkeye, or I guess Jeremy Renner, if we're putting mm-hmm. things in the Marvel context. What a hell of a movie um, with a great set piece in the middle of it. Um, mm. What was it like to film that? That looked incredibly arduous. I know there was a heat wave in Jordan when you were uh, filming it. It was, it was hot as balls. Uh, it was so hot. I literally if you imagine balls that's how hot we were how hot and are balls uh, is there like a- it was like 115 120 okay. degrees that's hot wow yeah but uh it was a lot of fun to shoot we had a really good time it was um it's not as bad as i remember it being not that i think back on it but we had a really really good time enjoy working with each other i was gonna say it comes across it doesn't come across because it's not fun <laughs> what they're debating yeah you guys are like having a great time that would be a terrible hurt locker right but right. You know, when you're doing that that, that happy particular, yeah exactly <laughs> when uh, when ray finds rocks up which is a great moment i don't know if you guys knew from the get-go that he was going to be playing that role or were they just we did yeah. we did Catherine was very clear about you know her relationship with Rafe and how he was going to come in and you know uh, Guy Pierce and how he's going to come in and do these small roles and because you know out of the three of us none of us were really known yeah. so she used her relationship with these guys to get the money and make the movie so we owe them a huge you know service for doing that for us how long did that scene take the sniper sequence Oh, that took about three days because we were just out in the middle of the desert. And um, the hard part was getting the weapons and gunpowder and everything into Jordan. Right. Mm. Oh, I see. So, but the Jordanian government has a lot of military vehicles that they got from the American government. So it looks like our military, but it's not. Right. You know, so it's, um, it was fun. Though. It was a lot of fun. Aaron, I've got to ask you this about Jesse about Breaking Bad um, have you in the time that's elapsed since that show finished um, had more people calling you bitch or more people asking you to call someone bitch on their behalf what's the ratio of those things I get a lot of people asking me to call them bitch but um, I get called bitch every day <laughs> <laughs> the nature of the beast the nature of the beast yeah and they, they throw in magnets at all for kind of yeah. variety yeah they, everyone tries to mix it up 
I was in London and someone screamed to Gatorade me, bitch. <laughs> and I was, I had actually just got a Gatorade. <laughs> and I took a sip, I heard it, and I put the cap back on and I threw it at the guy. And he caught it and he was just so excited. But I remember it was actually like a really warm day uh, in London and I was excited about the Gatorade, but right. then <laughs> I get, had just given it away. Um, <laughs> Last question. Um, you both have kind of some cool props in this movie. Um, you have a, an unusual cigarette filter holder, mm-hmm. your character, Marcus. Um, I don't know what the kind of genesis of that is, but I wondered if you guys could, could have kept one thing from Triple from Nine, apart from the van, what it, what it might have been. I would have kept my, uh, my gun. I don't know. I think it would have been cool to have one of those severed heads. Is that weird? No, no, not at all. Because it's so... <laughs> I'm out. Um, but yeah. Challenging to get through through customs, I guess, at the end. <laughs> hard to explain. Guys, thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you so much. Pleasure. Appreciate, appreciate it. How were they, Phil? Gritty. They were gritty. <laughs> were they tough? They were tough. Were they undercover? Um, Aaron, uh, Anthony Mackie, in particular, was very, very excised by the... Because there were a lot of strikes that day. Um, this may be a recurring theme in the podcast interview. Uh, there was a taxi strike. He also got wind of the doctor's doctor strike, and I think several other strikes. Barista strike. I don't know. There were strikes happening, and he, I think, felt that the fabric of our society was collapsing around us. Um, <laughs> I feel like that every day. But yeah, I couldn't disagree. Yeah. It felt like one of those days. There were taxis beeping their horns outside. But yeah, no, there was, uh, it was, they were a lot of fun, the two of them. They seemed to have good camaraderie on set. Hey. One of those films with great cast. Um, I imagine a lot of people coming and going all the time. But, you know, the, the core cast uh, were really, really good in this one. Fantastic. And as we will discover. As we will discover, because that's uh, kick off the review section of the podcast now with Triple Nine here to tell us what the film is and whether it's any good. It's Jonathan Pyle. Okay, so set in Atlanta, it's about uh, some corrupt cops who are in with some... I'm right now, I want to say robbers, and I can't think of another word. <laughs> Baddies. Yeah. But they set up a, a bank heist, and then... Because they're all in with the Russian mob, and the Russian mob are like, another job, another job, and eventually they decide the only way to create a big enough distraction to allow them to do this other job is by killing a uh, cop who happens to be uh, Anthony Mackie's new partner, Casey Affleck. Oh, my God. So the, so the plan is to try and kill Casey Affleck? Yes. Okay. It starts really, really, really well. Um, this is the scene that we were showing. We were showing this scene maybe two months ago mm-hmm. uh, before we saw the film proper, and the opening bank sequence is really good, and then the escape is really good, and they, they, you know, they take a, an extra bag of money, which they possibly shouldn't do from the bank job, open it, and as they're on the freeway, red gas is spewing out everywhere so you know their car is easily spottable by people and this scene is really really good and they get away at the end and you know i was very excited about this film okay uh, i thought it was going to be like the town which i think is a wonderful film and i know we've got a recommendation on the magazine but i was very disappointed with it you were i was a bit more up on it than that we gave it three okay three stars. just a, a smidge more up on it um interestingly our review points out that this was I think the, the the tail end of the 2010 blacklist, which yielded such movies as Edge of Tomorrow, Argo, Margin Call, Looper, Crazy Stupid Love, and Chronicle, mm. um, and also to a lesser extent Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Um, <laughs> so what, that was a, that's always a one, largely a boon year for the blacklist. <laughs> yeah. And 
I think I think the material is variable in this, isn't it? The set pieces are fantastic. I think John Hillcut, who we know from the proposition the road and lawless by now you can kind of establish what his interests are he likes blokes guns violence yeah. and that blurry line between lawlessness anarchy and 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 kind of society trying to keep a keep a handle on its fringes um and this is set right on that line isn't it um but we've been there before so many times you know from serpico the 70s were full of great movies of this of this ilk done done better i done, think yes there is another uh Set piece, which I think is fantastic as well. When they're um, they're going into these uh, this apartment block and they're all in a line and they've got a shield at the start and they're you know yeah. looking for the perp yeah. who is uh, trying to escape through uh, I suppose a warren of uh, corridors and secret rooms behind uh, cupboards. I think and that is again a really really great action sequence. And suddenly you know you can feel the room um, you know suddenly become interested again because I think yeah. for a large parts it's kind of like what's going on what's the mo- the motivations are kind of mm. fuzzy for some of the characters uh, Woody Harrelson's in it but not really and so does the film focus largely on it's an ensemble cast obviously but mm. would you say the the, the the two people the film focuses on are Casey Affleck and Chiwetel Ejiofor's character. Is that is that fair to say? Who's the who's the head of the gang? Who has the who's the one who has the most pressure on him to pull this off? I think I think what it's trying to do is be a kind of reverse end of watch in the sense that the, the real focus is going to be Anthony Mackie and Casey Affleck, okay. who's the the two partners and their loyalties because Anthony Mackie is is established in the first scene a bad guy. But he does still have loyalties. He still he still respects his debt to Casey Affleck, which he which you you know again is established early on that he owes him. So their relationship. But there's so many other characters going on. Kate Winslet is steel scene. She plays a sort of Russian mobsters mole. He's he's back in Russia, and the, and, and the driver for this is that she needs some information, which is going to get him released from prison in Russia. And she is ruthless. Um, her sister is uh, Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got so many supplementary characters. Woody Harrelson kind of it does great work, true, true detective style. But again, not, they're not really given enough time. Chiwetel's character is blurry. Um, I, I think it's sort of lurches from conventional character stuff to set pieces that are really elevated. Mm-hmm. You know, the the opening. I think I agree with Johnny. is fantastic, and there are some really good visuals and some good chases. Mm-hmm. Um, but. This is the sort know. of film that's really up my street. I love I love films like this with sweaty cops and sweaty criminals. You know, yeah, life and death stakes. The ten, you know, couldn't get much higher really than this. Uh, but it's, it, it feels like it's a slightly well, not three stars, but slightly underwhelming given the pedigree of the people involved. I think John Hillcote's a fantastic director. But I mean, the the film I keep on coming back to is The Town, which I think it's had it's very similar to in its uh, setup, and you know, The Town is just effortlessly better throughout. I think. Yeah, I'm, I, as I say, I'm more up on it than Johnny. I, I enjoyed it for the most part quite a lot, but it's conventional and lacking lacking a sort of clear through line. And there are moments where you're like, I've seen this before so many times. Okay, But there are bits, I mean, Hilka is good. He's got a great eye. Mm. There are set pieces that are, you know, almost on the sort of Michael Mann heat level, I would say, especially that opening. So for me, I had a bit more to recommend it. All right, so three stars then for Triple Nine. And next up is another cop drama, but this one's very, very different. Uh, this is uh, Julianne Moore and Ellen Page in Free Held. Uh, Phil Cat. Hi. Yeah, uh, Julianne Moore plays a uh, another detective um, called Laurel Hester. This is based on a true story, which is uh, worth pointing out straight off the bat, because that, I guess, 
kind of constricts what you can do with it. You know, you have to follow the the, the trajectory of the story mm. as it happened. Um, and it's it's a pioneering kind of human rights drama, effectively. Um, Julianne Moore's copper is diagnosed with cancer. Her younger um, partner, Stacey, played by Ellen Page, um, who's a mechanic, you sort of see their relationship come together. And uh, then you see that Julianne Moore's character is t- basically terminally ill. Um, but her police department that she served loyally for a very long time um, is not prepared to transfer her benefits in the event of her death um, in the time of her death to her partner so it's a sort of a pioneering human rights courtroom drama pretty conventional in that regard it feels like it's sort of one of those films that was striving to be a bit more Oscar worthy perhaps a bit more awards worthy but I mean it is a very worthy film and it's an, obviously an important subject mm. it's really only when Steve Carell turns up seemingly in an entirely different movie playing a kind of <laughs> Peter Tatchell on speed um, wow, kind of gay so rights campaigner who, when the film really catches fire um, he brings a sort of velocity and energy to it which it kind of lacks it's moving obviously it's a very sad story it's a very powerful story um, but again slightly conventionally told apart from those bits wherein Steve Carell appears um, so we give it on three stars three stars as well for that one uh, yeah it is a bit strange when what happens when movies that are seemingly made to court Oscar don't hit they don't land yes. what happens to them is there a retirement home for them or something I, I, I they kind of end up they kind of end up coming out around this time or maybe next month and you can kind of tell what their intention was with the release date it just got a great cast this one Julianne Moore is fantastic and everything um, I, th- I really liked Ellen Page I thought she stole it actually she's kind of a you know she's not as articulate as her partner but she eventually finds her voice um, through the trauma that she's kind of subjected to two types of trauma really prejudice and grief um, and she communicates both those things really really well so I think she stole the show for me fantastic talking to Steve Carell did you see this last night where uh, Emma Thrower of this parish tweeted she said she'd been watching Faulty Towers and reading up about Faulty Towers and apparently it's been it's been remade on US TV or at least they've, they've tried to make versions of it and there's a version from 1997 which stars Tim Curry and Annie Potts so Tim Curry plays Simon Ferguson who's a, uh, a, a hotelier in the States and Steve Carell's in it it's called Over the Top and he, Steve Carell plays a, a Greek guy called Yorgo Galfanakas and uh, there's bits of this on YouTube check it out it is incredible he's in a different sitcom to everyone else <laughs> it's just amazing but also he doesn't look like his age today so that's kind of weird but yeah Check it out. Steve Carell, Completists, and I know you're out there. Uh, three stars in for Free Held. And then last this week is Bone Tomahawk, the incredibly violent Western Bone Tomahawk. If, this is this is the time for Kurt Russell Westerns. This is this is the season, it seems. You wait ages for one, and then two come along at once. So, Phil, what did we make of this one? We really liked it. Mm-hmm. Very much. Four stars watch. So why do we leave it to the end? I don't know. I don't anyway. know. <laughs> there you say. go. The best, um, save look, the best for last. Who doesn't want to watch Kurt Russell in a Western, is all I can say, especially after the hate flight. And uh, in this one, he plays a sheriff who is basically, he's put together one of those sort of hapless Tarantino, Django-style posses mm. to track down um, a group of cannibal tribesmen Yes. Who've abducted uh, a couple of people from his jail. Including. Um, whereupon yes. mayhem and bloody violence ensues yes. across the West. Our reviewer, the inestimable Kim Newman, described it as a mashup of the, search, the searchers in Cannibal Ferox. So it's yes. a kind of an exploitation Western. Yes. Um, if those things hit your sweet spot mm-hmm. and you've got a strong stomach, mm-hmm. uh, this one is well worth checking out. Yes. This one switches gears. Although it's 
quite violent from the off, but uh, it does switch gears. So uh, it, at one point, it's a fairly straightforward, quite languid Western uh, directed by S. Craig Zahler um, about a, a posse trying to get... The posse includes... This so has got Kurt Russell as the grizzled old sheriff who's got this wonderful face, facial hair. Not quite the same tash that he had in Hateful Eight. And not quite the same character either. But you doesn't know, want he, to repeat himself. Yeah, you can, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't want to do that, um, quite clearly. Which is why he's playing himself in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. But um, So he rounds up this posse because Patrick Wilson is a sort of cowardly type. His wife has been kidnapped by this tribe there, and, they're, and then they go off to search for her. So far... So searchers, and then it, it takes this weird, extraordinarily violent, very gory, not for everybody, left field turn when the cannibal tribesmen turn up and there is the things happen to characters that will make you want to part with your lunch if you are of a you know, slightly weak stomach, perhaps. But yeah, really, really good, really striking, really holds the attention. The Western is back. Hallelujah. Well, it's never gone away, has it? Yeah, really? It has. has it? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Okay, name me a good Western that came out after Unforgiven. After Unforgiven? Mm-hmm. Open Range. There Between you go. Open Range and Unforgiven. It doesn't matter about whether it's a good Western. There have been Westerns coming out consistently. Yes, you know what I mean. The Postman. You know what I mean. The, the Postman. postman. <laughs> Fair point. Johnny, Johnny wins once again, I think. So four stars for Bone Tomahawk. Uh, probably the film of the week. Also out this week is Disney's sea rescue drama, The Finest Hours, starring Chris Pine and Casey Affleck. Sadly, it doesn't prove to be their finest hours. It's a good wordplay there. Uh, we gave it two stars. And there's the Rebel Wilson, uh, Leslie Mann uh, rom-com, How to Be Single, which we gave three stars to, which is, of course, a recommendation, as we say on the podcast. It's a busy old week once again at the Multiplex, an art house and forum of your choice. Uh, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun when it's our 200th podcast coming to you live. Well, recorded as live. Um, recorded in front of a live studio audience, I think is what they'd say on Cheers. Uh, from the Prince Charles Cinema in London, it is sold out, but do keep an eye on things just in case people can't make it and they hand in tickets for whatever reason so you you never know if you, if you want to come you might still be able to uh, and if you can't make it you can listen to it next Friday uh, when it's going to be presented to you as a regular podcast I'm not going to tell you usually at this point I tell you who's on the podcast uh, but I'm not going to tell you who's on the show next week largely to preserve the mystery for the studio audience and in no small part because I, I don't know who's going to be on the show next week and I'm in a state of mild panic on the verge of full-blown terror with every passing day uh, it's going to be fun it's going to be all it's going to be, it's going to be fine it's going to be absolutely fine it's going to be totally fine on the night the worst case scenario is that our special guest will be Peter Lorre, which I'm sure Helen will absolutely love. Uh, until then, it is goodbye from Johnny. Goodbye. It's goodbye from Phil. Happy birthday, Amy! Oh, man, I was yeah. going to do that. And it's goodbye from me. I'm off to air to bake myself into a cake and leap out at Amy. I'm sure she'll appreciate that. Happy birthday once again. See you next week. Bye. Bye.